Hello and welcome to Learning More with the Corps, your Community Health Corps podcast. My name is Keely Hancock and I am a current social work intern with Community Health Corps, East Texas Local Mental Health and IDD Authority. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Community Health Corps Linkage Specialist, Ms. Barbara Burnett. Ms. Burnett is a native of the world, having been born in Henderson, Texas, but also graduating from high school in Litch, Germany. Ms. Burnett is a Letourneau alumni where she attained her master's in psychology and has been a part of the CHC team for over 14 years. So without further ado, Ms. Barbara Burnett. Hello, Ms. Barbara. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. Good. For those of you who are used to listening to the podcast and hearing us interview different program managers on their role. This is what this is going to be, but it's also going to be uh, a featured episode on self-care. Miss Barbara is a mentor of mine, whether she knows it or not. She's my go-to gal. She's who I look for for wisdom. And I think just after hearing her story and, and working with her at Kirkpatrick, I think she, I, I know she's a great person to bring on here to talk. So this is a little different than our usual episodes, but hopefully it's still entertaining. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's here, so I'm not too worried about that. But Miss Barbara, can you tell people, for those who don't know you, like what got you here and kind of like your path to getting here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, well, starting out, uh, Ms. Keeley, I, like you were mentioning how I was uh, raised up, I was raised up as a military rat. Mm-hmm. My dad was in the Army, so I traveled a lot uh, coming up in my childhood years. Uh, through that process, it uh, allowed me to gain some knowledge and uh, develop some skills and disciplines that uh, I'm really grateful for as an adult. Yeah. I wasn't appreciative of them as a child. <laughs> no, nah, we never are. No, no, I was, I was very rebellious. I went against the grain. I was that type of person, mm-hmm. especially with my parents. So, yeah. it was a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just my way of life. Yeah. So I didn't take. I, I, I guess you might say I took it for granted. Yeah. Uh, because not knowing how civilian lifestyle was, mm-hmm. being raised in the military, I came for a rude awakening when I graduated high school yeah. and moved to the United States. And it was like a culture shock moving here. Yeah. Um, it was uh, difficult for me to get adjusted. I had to just really do a lot of reconstructing. And the worst part of it, I had to start thinking for myself, you know, because <laughs> parents did that Yeah. For me. Through the uh, learning experiences and uh, the things that I come up with, I took a journey because I started making bad decisions mm-hmm. and not wise choices. Yeah. And it took my life on a downhill spiral. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for something that I, uh, seeking for something that I wasn't going to get. I couldn't find it. Yeah. That lifestyle I was looking for, the life I was looking for. I wanted what I had with my parents, uh-huh. basically. Okay. So I was trapped in my teenage years as I continued to grow on into the 20s. Mm-hmm. So that didn't help me. As we do. Yeah. Right. My thinking abilities just weren't there. Yeah. So as uh, time grew on, I, I got involved with substance use. Mm-hmm. So I went through a very deep addiction, and I was in it with about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, through that process, that addiction started taking me into levels that I never thought that I would do yeah. uh, until I finally reached that bottom 20 years later mm. in that addiction. Oof. So through that process, <clears throat> I did try treatment centers and 
uh, halfway houses and everything I possibly could. Resources that resources were available. Resources that were available, you. exactly. Because there were so many times when uh, along that journey I even picked up criminal, you know, yeah. activities, so which led me down other paths as yeah. well. Coming out of that, I had to figure out a way to maintain sobriety. I, like I stated earlier, I've gone through all type of treatment situations, but that didn't work for me. Yeah. And one thing I've learned in today, mm -hmm. everybody's different. Yeah. And everybody has to find their own way. Mm -hmm. I managed to find mine. Yeah. And I give all that glory and gratefulness to my Lord and Savior. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, I um, started with Community Health Corps back in 2008. Mm hmm about a few years prior to that, because I come up to my senses in 1998. So it took a good 10 years through mm -hmm. there to work my life to where I could figure out how to live a normal type yeah. of sober lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that 10 year process, I had the help of my family, great support team, and I was able to make some steps. Yeah. So by that process, within that 10 years, God figured, well, okay, it's time for her to take some more steps. Mm -hmm. So he introduced me to Community Health Corps. Mm -hmm. Due to my criminal background, uh, uh, after the job I worked on for like seven years had closed, mm -hmm. I had to find another job. So I was having a very hard time because my criminal background kept closing doors, closing doors. Yeah. And it, it was very discouraging. Mm -hmm. uh, and then being 10 years clean and sober, I was determined, mm, I'm not going back, I'm not going back. <laughs> but I kept fighting and kept moving forward. Yeah. So Community Health Corps gave me a chance. And there was a man by the name of Pete Wise. Yeah. And may his soul rest in peace today. Yeah. He was an awesome man. The coolest part about it was he interviewed me. And knowing that I was interviewing for the secretary position at the, the Deer Unit. Mm -hmm. But he was curious. He wanted to meet me because he graduated in Germany from mm -hmm. Wiesbaden High School. Well, Wiesbaden High School and Frankfurt High School were rivals. just like Longview Marshall. Oh, wow. Yes. What a small world. Exactly. And then we were close in age. Yeah. So he was trying to figure, you know, we were... Did y'all see each other? Did y'all run into each yeah, other? What, yeah, he just had to talk to me, so he called me in for the interview. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, he, uh, we had such a great time talking, and you know, about the Germany and all the things and yeah. foods and things we did. And he told me, he said, um, I really got to apologize to you. He says, I... I he said, we really have a candidate for that position. He said, but I just really needed to meet you. So I said, okay. Well, I left out disappointed. Yeah. And, no, I talked to him first. I said, well, did y'all run a background check on me? And he said, yes. He said, you were a pretty busy lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, but you were still willing to hire me? He said, sure. He said, you've been out of trouble for a yeah. long time. Well, when I went home and I thought about it, I say, well, it's a job. Let me ask him if there's anything else. Yeah. And I called him back and asked, could I meet with him the next day? I went right back, talked to him, and I said, look, I couldn't get that position, but do you have anything? I said, yeah. I, I'll use a mop in a bucket. I just need to get my foot in the door, and if you're willing to hire me, I got to get in. Yeah. And he says, yeah. He said, but looking at your resume, I didn't want to insult you by offering you back. Yeah. And I said, look, I don't care. If it's got a mop in the bucket and it's going to give me a paycheck, I want the job. <laughs> right. So I got the job. And I did. I had to work the overnight shift. Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah. And I only worked it for about a week because the cook that was out there had quit. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The cook quit. And um, 
I asked Mr. Pete, I said, Mr. Pete, I said, the cook don't quit and she got a day shift, sir, can I move into that job? <laughs> and he said, now, your resume doesn't say anything about you being a cook. He said, there's going to be 56 men out here. He said, what do you think you can, he said, how do you think you can go to cook with 56 men? I said, well, sir, I can eat. I said, and all I got to do is look my recipe 56 times. I can get them. <laughs> so he allowed me that chance yeah. uh, to work as a cook and move to the day shift okay. a week after I was working there. Yeah. Well, after about three months working as a cook in the kitchen there, the secretary that they had hired, it fell through, didn't quite work out for her. Wow. The program manager at the time knew, she saw me typing one day in the office up there on the menu, and Mr. Pete said, well, she applied for the secretary job at first. Well, let's move in the secretary. Oh, so my God. So, I was cooking in the morning, secretary in the afternoon at the dairy Wow. <laughs> yes. I would cook up the breakfast. And lunch, have that done. Secretary by the afternoon. And then I had the men fixing up the supper time in the evening. So we'd have light dinners. But I had a little organization Ooh, going. Oh, yeah. So after that. Teaching uh, some coping skills on exactly, how to cook. Exactly. And there was a lady out there uh, by the name of Miss Teresa. She um, was uh, like Mr. Pete's right-hand person, you know. And I used to admire what she was doing her work and she was also going to school at Leterno at the time mm -hmm. and I thought that was really cool and I would look at some of her classes that she was doing and then well I knew I wasn't ever going to go to Leterno University <laughs> I just had a high school diploma yeah <laughs> you know, yeah so. uh, but Mr. Pete changed that for me mm -hmm. working as a secretary I started developing a bunch of things at the Deer Union because it was a new program mm -hmm and started setting things in place and he liked that and we became organized and, and said we're going to create a position for you and it's going to be the office manager and you're going to run this. <laughs> so I was able to do the clerical side of everything, keeping up with the program text, keeping the schedules, yeah. and, you know, timesheets and, you know, everything that... Uh, you were running the unit. Pretty much so. And Mr. Uh, we had another young man out there that was the program manager that uh, ran the counselors. So it worked out real well. We had a great time. Had the deer unit running perfect. Then Mr. Pete came to me one day and he told me, he says, I think you can do more. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he's going to pay me more. I'm going to get a better <laughs> job here, you know. No, he was talking about going to school. Yeah. And I was already in my late 40s. Well, in my 50s, actually. Yeah. And he told me, he says, you need to go to school become a counselor. Well, it sounded exciting at the time. Yeah. But, okay. So he hooked me up. He set it up for me to Tyler Junior College. Mm -hmm. I went to school there for two years mm -hmm. and got my associate's degree and became a CI, counselor intern. Okay. So, um, which I think some of y'all will. We have a few interns that are, yes. yeah. Yeah. I didn't know there was an associate's for it, though. They're in their bachelor's it's program. It's a clinical uh, associate's, but uh, okay. I took all the classes. Um, whatever was necessary well anyway, I just it was amazing to me because in that age and graduating with an associate's degree That's walking a big in, deal. I was excited yeah and I was feeling bad because back then there was so many young folks in that class and I was the oldest one yeah. walking with my class you know it was okay it's never too late uh, to go back to school never and too to change late. your path exactly so great getting that uh, I was so excited and uh, Mr. Pete was proud of me we got into that and I told him one day I said you know what Mr. Pete I said, I'm not as dumb as I thought I was. I said, I got a degree from a college. I said, I think I want to go on. Yeah. Well, another young lady I ran into out there, and I actually just saw her today, Rachel. Miss Rachel uh, Harrington works for oh, us. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel used to come out there a lot to visit with the men. Uh-huh. And uh, she talked to me one day and was congratulating me. She even did 
nice things from it. She bought me this awesome book uh, that I read about a young a lady that had a similar story to mine. Mm -hmm. So Rachel found her place in my heart as well, mm -hmm. and uh, we managed to make that bond. Well, she kept encouraging me, and she told me where she had received her bachelor's, and she says, you need to try it. You serious? So she turned me on to that. Mm -hmm. And what did I do? I signed up for Ashford University. <laughs> wow. And over that next two year period, I obtained my bachelor's. Yeah. So the main college was in uh, California, mm -hmm. San Diego, which was really exciting to me. So I have a sister that's totally awesome. Uh, she's Dr. Burnett mm -hmm. um, uh, over the Montessori School here. She uh, flew me to California for graduation. And that was just so exciting. That yeah, San that Diego. Oh yes, God. yes. So that was an experience. Mm -hmm. Still, you know, getting things lined out. Well, through the process, I was continuing with community health co-working as the counselor intern, and I had an awesome uh, trainer, Miss Stacy Richards, was yeah. my. Yeah. Uh, She's running over yes. the substance use yes. department mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Actually, it had nothing to do with her because every CI that's been under Miss Stacy mm -hmm. has passed that test and usually on the first try. Oh wow. Yeah, well, you know, you had to have the dud. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you you tell the story about how you tried to get your LCDC and it just wasn't. It wasn't happening. What happened for mm -mm. you? And I kept talking to the Lord. I said, now, Lord, you, you allowed me to go through a mad life here. <laughs> and you brought me back. And, you know, I thought maybe you wanted me to work is help others to come Not out. Not that way. And Not I'm that saying, way. okay. Well, I took that test and kept flunking it. Mm -hmm. Well, through the process of working as a CI mm -hmm. and flunked that test the first two times, I went back to school again. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Of course you did. I was angry and frustrated, I think, with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, something came over me, probably one of them midlife Christ things. <laughs> but I uh, signed up for Eternal. Yeah. Two years later. Coming out with a master's degree. I mean, through that process. At what age do you mind? Do you mind sharing? Did you get your master's? Sixty-two. Woo! <laughs> I love it. Sixty-two. I love it. Yep. So that was an experience, a wonderful journey here with Community Health Corps, but that CI thing just wouldn't work. Yeah. I wanted to get my LCDC. I know, I know, but obviously, now you work with a bunch of LCDCs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, and, and actually, when I think back, Keely, through that particular process, I've managed to maintain my own sanity. Mm -hmm. You ask me about self-care. Mm -hmm. Or self-compassion, because self-care now is just such a buzzword. Mm -hmm. I think we really need to look at it as self-compassion. Self-compassion. That is the best way to put that. Because that's what I developed in this journey. Mm -hmm. Is a level of self-passion that I amaze myself sometimes. I scare myself. You scare me sometimes, too. I do. I scare myself. <laughs> when I think back, and I have to really think hard these days of my past. Yeah. Because it's so far gone now. Yeah. That was a whole other life. Yeah. Whole different person. Different chapter. Whole different kind of person. Mm hmm. The person I am today, I like. I love. I get frustrated with myself sometimes. Don't we all? Yes. But I bring How do you myself come back? back. How do you I bring come back? myself back. That's what's important. So there's a doctor, Kristen Neff. She's like a leading expert in self 
self-care and Mm self-compassion. And she, a lot of what you just said is what she talks about. She has three concepts of self-compassion and the whole self-kindness versus self-judgment. It's normal for a lot of people to not want to sit in their in their suffering, in mm-hmm. their self-doubt, in their maybe self-hatred, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to sit in it. Nobody wants to be aware of it. They want to problem solve mm-hmm. and move on. Mm-hmm. But in order to have that self-compassion, like, you have to be mindful. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've sat in it. Yes. You have yes. sat in it. And how do you do that, though? It is so difficult for me personally to sit in it. When I think of the worst of the worst, that makes me appreciate what I'm sitting in. That's where I go. I'm still human now. I'm still made out of flesh. Yeah. And I still have those emotions and feelings that get taunted or mm-hmm. um, disrupted or get to feeling some type of way, as they say today. Yeah. But something I learned, we have to work our minds with our hearts mm-hmm. in order to get it to a level where you don't get to that level in your life where it gets really that's where that self-awareness comes from yeah and being able to identify those being able to identify it and monitor your know your boundaries and triggers right i've learned through the years these experience years that my mind and my heart them two things i really have to count on yeah now my grandma i had a 99 year old grandma that passed away a couple of years ago and uh, she used to tell me a bunch of times when I was younger, she'd have those old cliches and stuff. I used to hate it when she said, when you get your fist stuck in the lines, jaw don't go in. You don't, you don't just snatch it out, you have to ease it out. <laughs> and I'm like saying to myself, why would that she be telling me stuff? southern thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she would say stuff like, uh, if I tell you a hen dips snuff, you better look under the wing and find the box, you know. And then I'd be saying to myself when I was younger, she put that out, I'm not going to put my fist in a lion's jaw. Yeah. And I'd be doggone if I'm going to go looking under some hen's it's wing for wing. a box of snuff. <laughs> no, this doesn't make any sense. No. But you know what? It makes sense today. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense today. Because I've ex- been through some experiences where it was like I had my fist in a lion's jaw. Mm-hmm. And I had to take my time back out. Had to problem solve that softly, gently, taking my time. Yeah. And when she'd come up with the wing and the box of snuff under his mm-hmm. wing on the hen, that meant there's always going to be something underneath. Oh, to look deeper. To look deeper. But uh, as the process continued on, and then today in my wisdom thinking, as mm-hmm. you say, I allow my mind and my heart to work together and develop a balance. Mm-hmm. If I can keep the two balanced, mm-hmm. I always make good decisions and good choices. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult task to do that because your mind and your heart, that's where all your emotions, mm-hmm. your feelings, your everything's coming through those two channels within our bodies. Mm-hmm. We're emotional beings. We don't exactly. we're not logical beings at first. We focus on right. the emotional side. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So if I can maintain the balance, mm-hmm. I usually kind of run on my heart first. I mm-hmm. always let it take the lead. Because one thing I know about my mind. This thing changes. Mm-hmm. So that's how I do as far as my self-care and self-soothe. So there's seven pillars of self-care some some mm-hmm. look towards to mm-hmm. have an outline. Some people need that structure. I know I'm one of them. Uh, and it sounds like you really rely on that spiritual aspect. I do. That spiritual aspect. And those who aren't maybe so involved in that way, it's nurturing your soul. Exactly. It's that's what it is. It's nurturing right. your your soul, striving for inner peace, 
and spending time being around other humans. I yes, mean, yes. Now, forming that, those connections. Exactly. Now, that's one thing where being with Kirkpatrick, I've learned how to make some approaches and I use Linda's word from last night, acceptance. Mm. I'm learning to develop more, even more mm -hmm. acceptance working at Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Um, you have to. Mm -hmm. I have to accept a lot of things because I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Another old thing Grandma used to say, you never know too old to learn new tricks. Mm -mm. And I am learning. And through this process of learning, uh, I do know that everybody's not tuned in to their spiritual walk. Mm -mm. So I could put it out there my way mm -hmm. and what it took for me. Mm -hmm. But everybody's got to find their own way. Absolutely. I even tell the ladies, you know, I say, hey, look, I'm the one. I put my disclaimer out there. Mm -hmm. I claim Jesus Christ. Yeah. You claim whoever you want to claim. Yeah. It's about you and what it's going to take for you and, and how you're going to get there. Yeah. You're the one to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to go out there and you see that tree out there and you want to make that tree your higher power, go for it. Yeah. You know, if you believe in that and your things is moving in your right direction, you go for that. Absolutely. I tell the girls all the time, you may not believe in God, mm -hmm. but you got to believe in somebody. Or something. Or something. And then you can start with believing in yourself. Yeah. As you start believing in yourself, all the rest of your beliefs mm -hmm. and your promises, they're going to manifest. Mm -hmm. They're going to come around. That's what I try. I, I don't want to push my religion or faith off on anybody. No. But I just know it worked for me. Yeah. And working with those who suffer from substance abuse. I mean, that's a part of the, the steps, the 12 steps mm -hmm. that y'all go through. Yes. Exactly. And self-compassion could be <laughs> no greater in any field other than substance use because yeah. there's a lot of guilt and shame in that. Absolutely. Working with those ladies, they, they're people, they're humans, mm -hmm. they have regrets, they understand what got them there. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. And... It's just a journey. You have so many people that do not believe uh, substance use, uh, the addiction of it, is a disease, a disorder. Or yeah. It is. Yeah. It really and truly is. Um, it wasn't studied so much back years ago, uh, 30 years ago when I was in my addiction, 40 years ago. But it wasn't as acknowledged as what it is today. Yeah. And I'm grateful that it is. Well, it took an epidemic. Pretty much. Yeah, half the world is on stuff now. Mm -hmm. uh, we're used to back in my day, it was a hidden kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's out of sight, out of mind. You know? Yeah. And you got family members that's in an addiction. Get them out of here, you know, get them away. Yeah. And that's basically even what my mom did. One, I've noticed with the Kirkpatrick ladies, they're actually a great reference for self care. You know, a lot of them will, will say, well, everything just goes wrong for me, everything happens to me that's bad. I'm always suffering and that's a part of that second step of that of Dr. Kristen Neff who is an expert on self-compassion where she talks about common humanity. We forget that we're all humans mm -hmm. and we're all connected and we all suffer. Mm -hmm. And then we isolate because we and we cut off because we feel like we're the only ones that this is happening to. Right. And without self-compassion, I mean, you're not going to get through that. Mm -hmm. True. There's no way people have to understand themselves 
And that is easier said than done, madam, as a 20-something year old. (laughs) Yes, I know. Currently finding themselves. Like, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. It's a journey. It is, it is. And I have to remind myself of that as well. Every day when I'm talking to these ladies, I have to say to Brother Barbara, what was your thinking status at their age? Well, and that's your compassion for them. Yes. But how do you not get burnt out? Because back to the man <laughs> yeah he, did, he didn't give up on me yeah and it's been a lot of years I got family members that didn't give up on me mm-hmm. they closed the door on me now don't get me wrong mm-hmm. that tough love thing was a big thing back in the day yeah and when mama closed that door oh you can find yourself when you be honest mm-hmm. you at the age where you are you got a journey to go you got a ways to get there but as you make this journey these things that are start coming at you, you gotta tell yourself. Self, hello. Let me talk to you for a minute. It's me. I find out whatever the situation is, I weigh it out and I talk it out. I've learned to figure out why I'm allowing the negatives to affect me. Mm-hmm. So I sit out on my piece of paper, draw me a line down the middle of it, put my pros and cons. Oh, you literally sit I literally, yeah. down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'll put on there all the negatives. Once I make that column, then I come over to the column and say, okay, what can I do to eliminate these things on this column? I start with the negatives. It's about serenity. Mm. What is your definition of serenity? Peace, calmness, understanding, acceptance, all of the above. Yeah. Everything positive. It's, it's just serene. And that's where I am. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm still human. Blood yeah. still flows through my veins. Mm-hmm. I can get upset. Things can ruffle my feathers mm-hmm. today. But, but you're not getting lost in that self-judgment or... I don't let it take me there. First, mm-hmm. I look for whatever I receive, whatever is given to me and is putting me in some sort of a way to where it's building up anxieties or sending me into a direction of depression or sending me into a direction of uh, making a bad choice or a bad decision. I'm going to take that breath and I'm going to figure out what I got to do to keep me from going down a rabbit hole, whether it's in my thinking or whether it's something physical. I deal with something every day, whether it's family, my job, or just life out there. Yeah. So it's up to the individual. Everybody doesn't have strength like I got. <laughs> I know that. Say it again. I know it. Not all of us are Barbara Burnett. Everybody ain't a Barbara. But you know what though? The coolest part about it, I've experienced so many others' feelings and emotions, things that they've experienced and gone through, and they've done that. Mm-hmm. I've gone through so much. Yeah. I went through the death of a child, mm-hmm. five failed marriages, mm-hmm. surgeries at the Yahoo. Even in my 20s, I was diagnosed with cancer of the cervix. I've gone through a few. Just a little, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people enjoy your company and want to connect with you because you share a lot of the same struggles they're going through. Yep. And you've gotten through it, though. Yes. When we were talking earlier what God's path was for me, and it didn't seem to be the LCDC thing, but he opened up this door as far as linkage specialists with Community Health Corps. Mm-hmm. And it's a resource provider. Mm -hmm. Uh, This part of 
uh, Kirkpatrick at CCC program. Go ahead and tell us what CCC stands for, please. Which is the uh, <laughs> Comprehensive Continuum of Care. Okay. What that does is we're a support system mm -hmm. for people before going into treatment, during treatment, and after treatment. Before they can get into treatment facilities, uh, there's another linkage specialist with me, and uh, we have a recovery coach on our team, and some of the ladies need to talk to somebody. Somebody needs to be there for them. That's our recovery coach area. Mm -hmm. There may be some that are struggling with utility bills or you know, having a hard time, lost their jobs or something like that. That's what uh, me and the other linkage specialists do. We try to help them get back into different programs or uh, find resources that can help them. Yeah, get them back on their feet. Get them on their feet. And uh, for those also, uh, we provide groups accessible via telehealth. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. You do. It's what is what days are they? They're like Wednesdays. Um, they're, they actually do provide groups five days a week oh, okay. for outside people. There's yeah. some in the day and some in the evenings. The, the evenings are Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. Mm -hmm. Monday, uh, Thursday, and Fridays are during the day. So, but are they strictly for women? Uh, yes, these uh, the this program is geared for women with children mm -hmm. under the age of seventeen. Okay, and they've had a substance use problem, mm -hmm. and that's for the point. CCC meetings. That's for CCC yeah. exactly. But these ladies can come to these groups. They can log in on the Blue Jean app, mm -hmm. uh, attend the meetings. Uh, there's different benefits that we have. Uh, there's grants that has been provided to uh, help some of these ladies with financial situations, utilities, yeah. uh, food, clothing for children. Mm -hmm. they, some of them even need items for their kids, yeah. uh, bedding, diapers, a, yes, formula. Can provide some things for them. Okay. So that's what our program is about, and I'm loving that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're kind of like a, a super caseworker. I like that. <laughs> just in the just in the way that like you I know it's not all the ladies who are in Kirkpatrick but from Kirkpatrick you're not just we're not just putting them out you know it's like no no yes. no 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 we right. still have all of this we can provide you with somebody mm -hmm. to talk to here's right. some resources right linkage right right and a lot of programs are limited to so many days our CCC program they can be in it forever yeah been it forever so uh, we have some ladies that have graduated from Kirkpatrick months and months ago and they still mm -hmm. like almost a year now we got a couple of them that's been out a whole year and they're mm -hmm. still logging into the groups and keeping in touch and well going back around to self-care the whole reason I wanted to do this episode was because those who I interviewed so far when we bring up self-care it's really surface level and that's kind of concerning, maybe just for me, because my professors harp on self-care and being mindful of what we need in the moment and being more in tune with our emotions. And so for the providers, the LCDCs, the, the counselors, you know, mm -hmm. nurses even, I think it's so important to understand the power in being kind to ourselves. It's not practiced as much as it should be. Right. And I mean, the actual definition of self-care is just providing adequate attention to one's own physical and psychological wellness. But that can be done in so many different ways, mm -hmm. as you've explained to us as well. And it works, it, everybody's different. It works for people in so many different ways, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. recreationally, socially. Mm -hmm. Self-care can be found in all of those. Yes. 
I think this episode really is is not only about self-care, but it's also about your path and your journey to self-care. <laughs> exactly. It, it, yeah. it, is a, it is a journey. You have to reach a level yeah. to get to a self-soothing emotional state. Yeah. Now, I'm emotional. You put the ASPC commercial on TV, I'm crying. <laughs> okay. Not the chihuahuas. No, yeah. I'm crying. But that's just the liquid yeah. coming out of my eyes. I still got to think about me. If I'm going to sit here and harp on that little doggy, I'm going to keep crying. Eventually, I'm going to get a headache. Eventually, I'm going to sink into a depression. And then I'm going to have to go get a dog. And that's you being mindful of, of your boundaries. Yes. That's because that's the way I would allow my mind to go. Because you've allowed yourself to sit in it mm-hmm. and see how far you can go and exactly. experience that pain. Right. And so now that you've been able to sit in it and uh-huh. understand that, uh-huh. now you can skip to having to sit in it. Yes. And now you're mindful and understand, okay, if I keep doing this, this is what's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> and then from there, you can build on, okay, well, what's going to make me feel better in this moment? And that mm-hmm. goes into the self-kindness and yes. the self-compassion. Absolutely. And taking, taking yourself out of that judgment of not being enough in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's going to start right here with mm. your thoughts. Your thought is what's going to set you through that. Grandma even said this to me one time when I was locked up. <laughs> Be careful of your thoughts mm-hmm. because your thoughts become your words. Be careful of your words. Your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions because your actions become your habit. Be careful of that habit because that will become your character. Be careful of that character you build because that's what's going to be your destiny. Those steps right there, thinking, that words, your actions you do, becomes habits. And it builds you and that into who you are. you. Right. Anybody. That's my one word of advice careful of what you're thinking Mm -hmm. because that's where it starts well on that note thank you again miss barbara for just coming in and schooling me she's a great mentor y'all if you need one she's at kirkpatrick